0: Thanks so much for joining us for another edition of The Field from KAWC. I'm Lisa Sturgis. This week, recent developments have the Arizona Clean Election Commission debating the future of its relationship with an Arizona PBS station. Then, Democratic Attorney General candidate Chris Mays is here to talk about the recent abortion ruling and why she's ready to dive into the issue of water. Plus, should big money donors have to disclose to which campaigns they give? We have some insights to inform your answer to that question. And we have new poll numbers for the U.S. Senate race from our friends at OH Predictive Insights. But first, the decision that's putting the future of pre election debates in peril. More fallout from Arizona PBS's decision to offer Katie Hobbs interview time after she refused to appear during a traditional debate. Governor Doug Ducey is now raising a red flag. Hobbs has consistently declined to appear on the same stage as Carrie Lake. Lake showed up for their scheduled meeting The Democrat did not, so host Ted Simon interviewed the Republican instead. Now, KAET plans to air that conversation immediately following one with Hobbs. The governor has a problem with that. Here's what he told Phoenix radio station KTAR.
1: You have a debate, you invite both candidates. One declined to come, so the other candidate, Kerry Lake, gets the stage. Somehow Katie Hobbs got that half an hour interview that was going to be solo post Kerry Lake's. It just seems wrong, and I think PBS needs to fix it.
0: The Arizona Clean Elections Commission organizes and sponsors the debates in conjunction with Arizona PBS. Commission Executive Director Thomas Collins told Capital Media Services earlier this week, the break-in format breaks the deal.
1: It's an outrageous thing, and it's hysterically funny to me as a former journalist, and even a journalism major, that they're wrapping this up in the First Amendment and wrapping this up in a journalistic obligation. They made a professional commitment to us. They breached it. No uncertain terms.
0: Now it's looking for a new media partner. Arizona State University, which owns and operates the TV station, calls the decision a commitment to fairness. Here's ASU Vice President Jay Thorne.
2: The failure of the
1: candidates to come to an agreement on a debate format rendered it dead. And lacking that forum, Arizona PBS and Horizon are advancing as they would under any other circumstance and providing time to each candidate.
0: However, this isn't the first time Arizona PBS has broken debate format. It did so in 2016 when Ducey declined a primary debate and again earlier this year when Hobbs refused to face opponent Marco Lopez in their primary. The stations also made accommodations for candidates in down ballot races this year. Now, the head of the State Appropriations Committee wants to pull all state funding from the public television station. Republican Representative John Kavanaugh says its leadership is bending the rules.
1: For years, they have been partners with Clean Elections in doing these debates. The rules for years were the candidate refuses to debate, they don't get time, and all of a sudden they make this exception so it backs the partisan politics.
0: Kavanaugh does admit the TV station is entitled to air whatever it wants. Equal time policies aside, the commission rules do state a candidate sacrifices their right to air time when they decline to debate. ASU's Cronkite School of Journalism, which operates Arizona PBS, is sticking with its decision even if it means ending the long-time partnership. Arizona women now have limited abortion rights following a court decision this week. A federal court ruling blocked the enforcement of the pre-statehood ban on the procedure, clearing the way for the 15-week law to take effect at least temporarily. At least two of the state's largest providers are getting back in the business pending an appeal, a third making a more tentative reopening. Democratic Attorney General Candidate Chris Mays found herself at the center of a recent rally in support of reproductive rights. We discussed that rally, abortion rulings, and why she believes the AG needs to get involved in Arizona's water crisis. Chris Mays, Democratic candidate for Arizona, Attorney General, back with us today. Chris, it was quite a weekend politically in the Phoenix area. Uh, Let's talk about that a little bit, (laughs) because you were in the middle of it. Yeah, it
2: was a really active weekend. Uh, I had a lot going on, obviously, uh, between the Women's March that, uh, that we participated in in Phoenix, and then, of course, you had, Donald Trump uh, coming to town to, uh, you know, campaign for the MAGA candidates uh, that that are, you know, I'm opposing or are, are, are our opponents. Um, so it's, yeah, been a, it's been a busy weekend.
0: Let's talk about abortion because on again, off again, late Friday, yet another ruling and the timing so close to the election.
2: No, yeah, Lisa, you're right. So we had a uh, some news on Friday, which is that the that the appeals court uh, uh, temporarily stayed um, the uh, lifting of the injunction on the 1864 abortion ban. So basically, what that means is um, the the 1864 abortion ban, which had gone back into effect in Arizona. Uh, because of the efforts of people like Mark Burnovich, and, of course, my opponent. Abe Hamada has been also advocating for that. All of the Republican candidates for statewide office want to have this 1864 ban on abortion in place. But the appeals court um, temporarily stayed that and uh, will be taking arguments um, in the case. So, you know, in this in this interim, Um, That ban now is not in effect. It's unclear whether uh, providers, reproductive care providers, um, are going to uh, restart service or or be able to to provide care. Um, Many of them stop. Um, you know, uh, abortion care uh, after the 1864 law went into place. I'll just tell you, Lisa, I'm talking to doctors all over the state of Arizona, hospital CEOs, they are in a state of um, total chaos and total um, uh, panic over all of these bans that have gone into effect. And, you know, it's just unacceptable that our doctors have to be worried when they're providing care to women that they might be put in prison for up to five years.
0: That's right. I was going to bring that up. The 1864 law does include prison time.
2: Um, It's really outrageous. I mean, it is. uh, Look, I mean, this is a law that that was put in place in 1864 before the Civil War was even over before women could vote, before Arizona was even a state, it was written in the territorial capital of Prescott, which as you know, is my hometown. Um, and uh, it, it basically says that doctors, nurses, pharmacists, or any person who assists in abortion care um, could be put in prison for between two to five years um, by by a prosecutor in the state of Arizona. And I think you know, the vast majority of Arizonans believe that that is unacceptable, don't believe that government um, belongs in this very private uh, place, space um, in people's lives.
0: Switching topics, I'm always going to ask you, unfortunately, I'm always going to ask you about water because water is so top of mind for us here. And the last time I spoke to your opponent, Republican Abe Hamaday, he told, he told me that he did not believe that the attorney general's office really had a place in water negotiations. He felt that that was up to the state legislature. The attorney general absolutely
2: can play and I think must play. A significant role in uh, helping the state of Arizona negotiate um, uh, over our Colorado River water supplies must play a role in advocating before um, the legislature that the legislature and the governor do more on conservation absolutely must do everything we can to ensure that communities like Yuma are protected um and that our water supplies are 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 protected and and that we're uh, advocating not only for um you know future conservation but also so that we can preserve um our water supplies and expand our water supplies in Arizona uh you know I, the other thing is we've got to stop these crazy sweetheart deals that are being struck by the state land department uh including the one with with a saudi owned corporation um In La Paz County, where they are uh, pumping millions of gallons of groundwater and the state of Arizona is not charging the Saudis
0: anything. I think uh, what was it, 25, they're leasing the land for like $25 an acre with the water rights.
2: They're leasing the land to the Saudi-owned corporations so the Saudis can grow alfalfa here because they ran out of water in Saudi Arabia. And can't grow alfalfa there, so they've they've plopped these farms down in La Paz County, um, and we are the state of Arizona is not charging them a dime for the water, which is outrageous and unconstitutional. And as Attorney General, I will immediately advise the State Land Department that that action, that sweetheart de- deal that they gave the Saudis, is unconstitutional. I mean, my, my goodness, um, at a time when. The Saudis are threatening our oil supplies. We are giving them water for free. Um, these are the kinds of things that we need a strong attorney general, a strong watchdog for the people of Arizona. This, is, uh, this deal is bonkers. It's terrible for the state of Arizona, especially at a time when we're seeing a 21% reduction of our Colorado River water
0: supplies. Chris Mays. Democratic candidate for Arizona Attorney General, thank you so much for your time today.
2: Thanks, Lisa. It's great to be with you.
0: Mays faces Republican Abe Hamaday in the November 8th general election. To listen to our previous conversations with Mr. Hamaday or Ms. Mays, you can go to kawc.org. You're listening to The Field from KAWC. I'm Lisa Sturgis. It's not uncommon for big-dollar donors to make contributions to candidates through other entities to protect their identities. And that's perfectly legal here in Arizona. That is, unless voters approve Proposition 211, which seeks to shine a bright light on so-called dark money. The Voters' Right to Know Act is a pet project of former Arizona Attorney General Terry Goddard, who's long fought for greater transparency in political campaigns. Prop 211 requires reporting of contributions greater than $5,000 for individuals. The requirement kicks in for organizations donating more than $50,000 to state races and more than $25,000 to other campaigns. The Arizona Free Enterprise Club opposes the measure. President Scott Moosey tells Capital Media Services these types of donors aren't always giving to a specific candidate.
1: You're talking about private citizens given to private organizations. That's what we're talking about here, not the act of if somebody has given money to a candidate.
0: But Goddard says current law favors the rich.
1: Everybody who gives $50 or more has
2: to give a full disclosure. And what uh, our friends from the Free Enterprise Club are saying is, well, our select group of, of clients should be special and shouldn't have to do that like everybody else.
0: Kathy Harrod, president of the Center for Arizona Policy, believes the ballot measure is specifically designed to deter donors.
1: Well, it's called a First Amendment right to choose which causes you are supporting without threat of retaliation. And there are significant examples about people having retribution when contributions are exposed.
0: And those interviews that you just heard come to us courtesy Howard Fisher and Capital Media Services. And Howard joins us now to take a closer look at this proposition. Howard, thank you so much for being with us.
1: Glad to be here.
0: So this proposition didn't just spring up out of thin air. Um, This has kind of been a long-time torch for Terry Goddard. It dates back to when he was the attorney general. But there is an impetus for its reignition.
1: Well, there, there are actually two of them. It started in 2010. There's a case that came out of the U.S. Supreme Court that people are aware of. It's called Citizens United. And what the justices ruled, is that corporations are free to put money into campaigns and they can do it through a back door through what they call social welfare organizations so in other words corporation you know abc you know widget company can give to the Arizona good government committee and then the Arizona good government committee can then spend the money on on ads that you'll see on tv all those independent ads saying Uh, You know, Joe Smith is is a good guy, or, you know, Jane Smith is is a bad person. And the problem becomes that under the law, at least in Arizona, there's no way for people to know who contributed to the good government committee. Now, this became very obvious here in Arizona uh, in in 2014. There was a race for the Corporation Commission. Now, this is a five-member panel that determines what our utilities get to charge us. And it turns out, which we didn't know at the time, that Arizona Public Service, which is the state's largest electric utility, had put $10.7 million to one of these third-party committees to elect Republicans Tom Farise and Doug Little. Tom Farise and Doug Little got elected. Uh, APS, a couple of years later, got a 4.5 percent rate hike from the commission. And it was only in 2019, after there were some new commissioners who forced the the legal issues, that we found out how much APS had put into their campaign. Uh, Not only did we find out how much they put into those campaigns, we found out, for example, that APS had given $50,000 in 2014 to the Republican Governors Association, which helped elect Doug Ducey for his first term. And $425,000 to the Republican Attorney General's Association, and that helped elect Mark Burnovich for his first term. So what the Goddard Initiative would do is say, if in fact you take money and spend money on a political campaign, whether it's an issues campaign, like a ballot measure, or a candidate campaign, you trace the money back to the original source if it's more than $5,000. And... There's a lot of questions there about, you know, do Arizonans want that? And that's what we're going to find out, you know, on November 8th.
0: The opponents say this is like disclosing people's private information.
1: Well, this is an interesting question, because even when the Supreme Court decided Citizens United and concluded that corporations can give, the justices made it clear they were not saying there's a right to donate anonymously. You know the, the the idea is if you're going to influence politics, you should be required, at a certain point, to excuse the expression, come out of the closet. Now, look, we have a long history of anonymous speech in this country, going back, you know, to Tom Paine, you know, during the Revolution, in terms of of the pamphlets that were put out under an anonymous name. And there are certain people who may be concerned that. If, in fact, their names become public, if they're associated with certain campaigns, uh, people may may shun them. If you're a corporation, uh, the, the corporation may lose business because people say, I don't want to, you know, spend my money on this ABC corporation if they're going to give to this candidate. But because again, we've,
0: we've entered is, an age of political consumerism where people vote with their dollar bills.
1: Well, they do. I mean, you know, I remember this from during the Vietnam War when uh, there was a boycott of the Coca-Cola company over its position that it had taken on some issues. So, I mean, there's a long history of that. You have certain people who don't buy pizza from a certain company because of their stance on, on abortion. People do vote with their feet, and there's not a problem with that. You know, boycotts are, in fact, legal. But the question becomes, do you have a right to know who is trying to influence an election? If suddenly, uh, you know, we, we, you know, early voting started this week, and so if in fact you've got, uh, you know, two million dollars worth of new advertising appearing on behalf of one of the gubernatorial candidates, but you don't know who's paying for it, you know, should should you want to know? I mean, there are some people who say it it shouldn't matter. The only thing that should matter is the message. You know, as a journalist. Mm-hmm. I am in favor of disclosure. I'd like to know who is spending money to influence, much in the same way that if you have lobbying expenses, you know, we have certain reports that have to be filed that when lobbyists give to folks or they spend money taking folks on a junket, we get to find out. And then we get to make the decision as members of the public to decide, was this a proper expenditure? How do I feel about this? And so we can know, for example, there's lots of fights going on in Washington now about Big Pharma, and are they overcharging for drugs? Well, it's helpful to know how much money to certain lawmakers has come from pharmaceutical companies. These are all important questions. What Terry Goddard is trying to do is bring that to much more local level. Now, are there concerns about people being, as they call it, docs, you know, people protesting at people's homes when they find out you've given? Uh, yes, that is a concern, but that is the nature of an open democracy, at least it, it would seem to me. But people are going to have to decide you Exactly. Know, what, what do they believe. Do they believe in, in an absolute First Amendment right to say what you want and, and then hide behind uh, you know, anonymity or, or not? And, and that's a decision for people in this proposition.
0: And I guess we will know the answer of it on November 9th. Howard Fisher, Capital well, meeting.
1: I was going to say, you are an optimist to believe that we're going to have everything counted that quick.
0: You can read more of Howard Fisher's political insights and hear past conversations at K-A-W-C dot org. And while you're there, catch up on any episodes you might have missed on the Fields podcast page. Thanks so much for sticking around. I'm Lisa Sturgis, and this is The Field from KAWC. We're now 27 days out from the November 8th general election, and the latest OH Predictive Insight poll shows incumbent Democratic Senator Mark Kelly maintaining a healthy lead against Republican Blake Masters. It also shows Libertarian candidate Mark Victor enjoying a post-debate boost. 46% of the more than 600 likely registered Arizona voters surveyed for the latest OHPI poll say they're backing Senator Kelly in November. 33% say they support Blake Masters, with 15% opting for the Libertarian. OHPI chief researcher Mike Noble tells KAWC it gets interesting when you break it down by party.
1: Masters' support from his perspective party went down seven points from the September poll, 65 to 58%. However, Victor's support rose 18 points since September, bringing him to 21 percent support among Republicans.
0: Noble says Masters' popularity problems extend beyond his own party.
1: Kelly has a net favorability of plus five, whereas Masters has a net favorability of negative 13.
0: And he says there's a lesson to be learned in these numbers.
1: Running either too far to the left or too far to the right in Arizona's general election is a hard sell to voters.
0: OHPI conducted its survey in the days immediately following the October 6th U.S. Senate candidate debate. Aggregate poll site 538.com gives Kelly an 81-point advantage over Masters in the race. When it comes to the governor's race at this point, most pollsters call it too close to call. 5.38 gives Lake a four-point advantage based on analysis of eight different polls. All show Lake in the lead, but none by more than a four-point margin. And finally, good news for those eager to cast their ballots. Early voting is underway. You can vote either on paper or electronically Monday through Friday during regular business hours at the Yuma County Recorder's Office on Main Street. Be sure to bring your ID. Mail-in ballots should start arriving this week as well. Those can be filled out and mailed back or slipped into one of the ballot drop boxes at Yuma County Libraries or in front of the Recorder's Office. For full details, links and more important information, visit the Yuma County website and check out the elections section. Next week on the field, we'll take a closer look at some of the municipal propositions appearing on your ballot. Plus, we're keeping a close eye on the governor's race. And Phoenix New Times political reporter Elias Weiss will be here to give us the scoop from the capital city. Field is a production of KAWC Colorado River Public Media. Send your questions or comments to me. Lisa.sturgis at kawc.org. Our theme music was composed by Steve Hennigan, performed by members of the Yuma Jazz Company. For more information, visit yumajazz.com. Thanks so much for listening to The Field from KAWC. Remember, you can always hear the show at kawc.org, on the KAWC app, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm Lisa Sturgis. I hope you'll be back again next week. Till then, keep yourself informed.